Welcome to the Questions of Faith Podcast. I'm Brad Stevens here with Dr. Timothy Laredo. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we're going to be asking Dr. Laredo a very interesting question. Are oneness Christians? And do we as Trinitarians serve the same God as they do? Yeah, so we're going to look at the difference between uh, Trinitarian and oneness uh, view of the nature of God and the means of salvation. And so we're going to look at the implications of the di- these different views and to see uh, which one is Orthodox Christian and which one is not. Hopefully by the end of this episode, you will be like me and have a slightly different perspective on oneness doctrine and how we should be focusing on evangelizing them just as we would with any other people. Well, I am really excited to get into this question today, and um, it's one that um, the question itself is very provocative, mm-hmm. and it's very um, kind of in your face, mm-hmm. but it sounds like it's something that's very, very important. So, Dr. Tim, are oneness Christian? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a loaded those, question. It is. It's it's a question that, um, you know, it, it, it can elicit a lot of um, responses, a lot mm-hmm. of... Um, fire, you know, a lot of uh, debate around it. And, you know, uh, first off, I want to say, you know, some people, uh, some Christians have wanted to shy away from this debate between oneness and Trinitarian um, and think, oh, you know, it's just a theological question. It's just a question that is, you know, on the 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 corners of the debate, you know, why why do we really need to make a deal of this? Is this really a big deal? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it could also be that oneness are very strong mm, and adamant yes. and very bold? Yes. Whereas Trinitarians might not be quite as. Yeah, I think that does in, have in the a, general. Yeah, scheme. I think it does have a, a part to play in it. Uh, especially the oneness want to be more um, in your face with um, with what they uh, what they you know present and. Uh, Trinitarians generally want to be more, uh, you know, kind of laid back, more, you know, let's just see if we can work this out, you know, let's be more... do you believe that it could possibly be a illiteracy on the Trinitarian part of being able to defend their faith, whereas think, oneness is yes. kind of ground into them? Yes, I think that has a really big part to play in it. Um, those who don't with want confidence to, yes, boldness. Yeah, but if you're I, not confident in what you believe in, right? It can absolutely. be, it can make it scary. Sure, to try and defend sure. That. Yeah, uh, for sure. And so I think that does have a part to play on it. Um, when you're approaching it from a oneness perspective, um, they act as though it's easy to defend that position. It's not, um, but they they do position it that way. From a Trinitarian perspective, people are a lot of times more. Uh, it, it is de- challenging. It is complicated. It is you're trying to explain God. And so by that very fact, it is uh, not an easy um thing to do. And so people want to shy away from that. It's hard to explain something that you will never fully comprehend or mm-hmm. understand. Sure, sure. I have that trouble. <laughs> I mean, we, we teach um, a children's church oh, yeah. here at Faith Tabernacle. And when it comes to um, uh, the Trinitarian mm. doctrine, that, that can be tricky. Sure. Trying to break that down just for children. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so while some, uh, you know, kind of want to shy away from this debate between uh, oneness and Trinitarian, um, I, I, I want to push back against the idea of just acting like it's not a big deal. And um, I don't think this is a secondary issue. Um, I think it is actually the most fundamental issue that we could talk about when we're talking about the nature of God. Like, I, I just completely reject this idea that <clears throat> that we could we could sit at the table, the oneness and the Trinitarian, and have this idea being our ideas of God are somehow equal, and that we can coexist in this kumbaya state. Yeah, and that there's not this major difference, uh, and not just a major difference about you know some minor point but it, we're talking about a major difference on 
in my estimation, one of the most fundamental points of who is God and his nature. And so uh, I think another thing that is in play in this is that because oneness, uh, oneness Pentecostalism has, it came out of Pentecostalism, right? Okay. It came out of, um, you know, Pentecostal, Pentecostals especially have this, because it came out of Pentecostalism, they have this, um, you know, kind of aversion to trying to deal with it or to address it because they're kind of like us in a lot of other ways. But like is a dangerous word. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so it's kind of like this, oh well, yeah, I know we have this difference. Um, but it's not it's not that major because we're alike in so many other ways that this difference is just um you know, it's just a, a minor thing. And I want to scream from the rooftops, no, it's not a minor thing at all. In fact, it's it's the most major of things mm -hmm. that we're different on. So really and we may be alike on some smaller uh -huh. things, yeah. right? Um, but the, the main thing, uh, who God is and his nature, we are totally different on. So is it a failure <clears throat> on our part to um, uh, lift up this three-part nature of God mm -hmm. to the place that it needs to be, yeah, and, and I how think we it, view God. I think I, I think we've done a, a fairly good job of uh, of that in a broad sense, but I think we've done a fairly poor job of confronting oneness specifically. Okay, and so um, there is a lot of great. Um, uh, writings on Trinitarian and um, explaining that and, and working through that on a broad scale, but mm -hmm. the combating the combating of oneness, oneness specifically, specifically. Okay. hasn't really been done very well in recent years. It's starting to um, become more of a, a point where people are writing specifically to address oneness. And speaking directly to it, but uh, for the first several decades of oneness, it was just kind of one of those things where it wasn't really majorly addressed. It was kind of, it it was it was a dividing thing. It divided Pentecostalism, but it was one of those things where um, let's see if we can coexist, mm. kind of thing mm -hmm. in a in a realm where we're all equal in our theological approach to who God is. And so, um, I, I know this sounds, um, sounds harsh, and it sounds as though I am being mean, and that is not the heart behind it, but I'm trying to speak truth, and truth sometimes is hard, right? Hard truth. And the hard truth reality of the matter is that oneness are not our brothers and sisters in Christ. Whoa, okay. <laughs> right? Wow. And so they need evangelism just like I would say that Jehovah's Witness need evangelism, just like I would say Mormons need evangelism. These other um, Christian cults, which we'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, Christian by world standpoint. Yeah, well, what we're saying when we're talking about cult, um, a Christian cult, is we're saying that it is um, it is an offshoot of Christianity, Orthodox Christianity. So Orthodox, that, that word just literally means correct doctrine. And so the correct doctrine of Christianity, uh, a cult, is something that has strayed from that and is okay. off of that. Mm -hmm. It and has so, ties to it originally. Right. It has mm -hmm. ties to it originally, but it has but it deviated. Is no correct doctrine. Yes. It has okay. deviated it in some major form. And so, um, so we would say like Mormonism is a Christian cult. It has the label of Christian associated with it, but it has deviated majorly from what is orthodoxy. And so we would say that with, um, with several different examples. Um, Christianity isn't the only one that has this. I mean, Islam has cult. Uh, Christ, uh, Islam has Islamic cults that are associated with it, and several other religions do. And so, um, it's not it's not abnormal that that would take place. But what we're saying, what I want to say is, I am putting, and I think we should put oneness 
in this category of Christian cult. Okay. And uh, anytime you, the, the word cult is such a like strong, like aversive word that, yeah. you know, people. Well, I was getting ready to ask, <clears throat> what is your definition of cult? Is it that offshoot? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. a cult can be an offshoot of anything. Uh, of any, uh, it's 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 used in re- it's a religious term. Yeah. So yeah, any uh-huh. uh, deviation from an original, yeah, from the original okay. norm of what is uh, doctrine and belief, and so, um, and so we we would say that um, there's a lot of cults out there that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, put that together. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so. Uh, the, the the idea of saying that oneness is a Christian cult may be hard to hear, um, and obviously the oneness isn't going to like that, right? And and it may be hard for the Trinitarian to hear that in a sense of, you know, this idea of not wanting to offend or to um, to you know be harsh and th- and again that's not the point mm-hmm. the point uh, we're not trying to be not har- trying to bring an emotional response it's just this definition exactly. on paper right it, it, this is a deviation from this true doctrine right and so it's not a personal thing mm-hmm. uh it's not something where uh, i'm uh, making it a personal towards any one individual but i'm saying that this this belief system this doctrine about who god in his nature is a deviation from uh, the biblical truth of who God is, and so because of that, it is a uh, it 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 falls into the lines of a Christian cult. And so, um, obviously, there's many fine people uh, with sincere hearts who are oneness, right? And so, um, I'm not I'm not saying anything derogatory towards individual people. Um, but what I am saying is that based upon Scripture, their doctrine is heresy. It is a uh, a clear uh, deviation from what Scripture has taught. And so, um, while there may be some Christians in a oneness church, the movement as a whole is not Christian. Okay. So just like there there can be Christians in um you know some other um offshoots of Christianity um that is possible I want to say that the movement as a whole it is a non-Christian cult and um and so starting with that uh helping us to see we are making a clear distinction between the two groups like we're not comparing apples to apples here these are two very different uh, groups um, that believe in very different gods going back you said that this came out of the pentecostal mm. group as a whole mm. when did this timeline when did this happen how, how old is this is this recent yeah. you know mm. last couple hundred years or mm. further on back yeah great so um this it has had a revival quote-unquote revival in recent times but this idea of uh the nature of god being uh only one and they're not being a, tri- uh, a trinity is actually something that is not new at all, but was actually uh, first uh, brought up in the uh, third century. Um, so the church in the third wow. century had to deal with this, and uh, a long time ago, yeah, a long time ago, and not far <clears throat> after the events of the New Testament. Sure, sure, yeah, and the New Testament church is grappling with this, uh, with the. Uh, you know, the writings that they have, who God is, uh, you know, the Old Testament that they have, and then the person of Jesus and uh, him being God, and how does this all work together? And so they're grappling with this. And the first known person who taught oneness, uh, another f- phrase for this is modalism, and I'll explain that in just a second, uh, but was a guy named Praxius, and he lived in 
in in in the third century, and so then the people started following him, and so this idea of modalism or oneness is basically that God Himself He exists in three distinct modes. So he dis- he exists in God the Father, that's one mode of who he is. But then he exists in God the Son when he uh, came to earth, and he exists in that mode. And when he's existing in that mode, he's not in the other mode. Okay. Okay. And then after Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, and God exists in that mode. And so God is not three persons that always exist, but he is uh, one who exists in different modes throughout history, and the other modes don't exist when he's existing in one specific mode. Does that make sense? You understand that? It does. Do they believe that speaking in tongues is a work of the Holy Spirit or a work of God the Father or Jesus? Mm, mm. Uh, of the Spirit, and we'll talk about speaking in tongues specifically because they have some so interesting... So, the Holy Spirit move on you and then... So, for you in that moment... I mean, we're going down a rabbit trail here. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for in that moment of speaking in tongues, is that the Spirit working within you in that moment, mm. according to them? Yeah, so they would say that like Jesus baptizes in the Spirit, um, and that that mode is one which um, is functioning now um, through that. And so this idea of the the big picture here is that these modes cannot exist at the same time from a oneness perspective. That the mode is is um, something that only one at a time. So so God is sometimes Father. He's sometimes Son, and He's sometimes Holy Spirit, but He is never all three of those at one time. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's that's how they explain that. Whereas, from a Trinitarian perspective, we would say that God exists as one, but as three persons mm-hmm. who um, have always um, co-eternally existed. That there was never a time when the sun did not exist. There was never a time when the spirit did not exist. That they all have existed eternally um, th- as three distinct persons, and and um, but having one essence. And so this idea that um, that the the oneness present when it comes to um, you know, who God is, this nature, I want to make the point that it's not a new idea, but it's one that the church dealt with really early on and rejected and has continually to rejected rejected this idea of God existing in three different modes uh, throughout church history. So when... So when I say that oneness is a Christian cult and that is it is a deviation from um, who God is in his nature, I'm not making a new claim when I'm saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm not making a claim that is outside of what many, many others throughout church history have claimed. <clears throat> and so um, I just want to make that point clear that Lest some think, well, this is just a new thing, and we're not sure about whether this is really, you know, good or not. And I want to say, no, it's not a new thing. Um, that this has been dealt with over and over and over throughout church history and rejected every single time. And so we should respond the same way in rejecting um, this view of who God is. So, in this this view of m- modalism, um, do they believe that the only time that Jesus was in God was in the form of the mode of Jesus was when he was here on earth. Mm. Now in heaven, can he be, he be in Jesus mode in heaven mm. or is that only an earth thing? Mm. Um, because they pray and worship to Jesus, Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. So here's, here's where it gets a little bit complicated. So the oneness maintained that the only real person in the Godhead is Jesus. Okay. But that he revealed himself as the mode of the father in the Old Testament, and as the Spirit also now, but the only real person is Jesus. And so that's why a lot of times... the default God is Jesus. Yes. So that's why a lot of times they they will um, 
they're called the Jesus only movement. Uh-huh. Like you are, if you've ever heard yeah. that, um, because Jesus is the only real person, quote unquote, but he is reveals himself in different modes. Mm-hmm. Um, now they believe in the work of the Spirit, correct? Mm-hmm. Currently, <clears throat> now. Mm-hmm. So whenever the work of the Spirit is moving within a church body, miracles are happening. Do they believe that God transforms into the mode of Holy Spirit for that moment and mm. then transfers back into mode of Jesus? Um, I'm not sure specifically on that question. It just seems like there'd be a whole lot of moving parts. <laughs> well, a lot of modes flipping back and forth. Mm. Very. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you could ask that same question in regards to, um, you know, like Jesus' baptism, you know, where um, the Father yes. speaks and the dove as mm-hmm. the, the Spirit as, as a form of a dove. Um, we got a lot of moving modes going on, a lot of modes that are, okay. are going in different directions. And, um, and so this idea, uh, it, that question reveals one of the issues associated with God's working within creation and working within humanity is what we have as a revelation in Scripture is that God is doing um, multiple things through multiple persons, right? So God is uh, is doing of a variety of works, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So how do we make sense of that and the fact that we also know that He is one? And so we have this idea that that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, but the Father is not the Spirit, and the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, that they're distinct, but yet they're one in their essence. And I know that that is hard for uh, us to get our minds around uh, that that the nature of God is this three in one uh, aspect. But I would submit that the fact that it's hard for us to understand, I was just about to bring that up, <laughs> actually helps to validate that that's God. That's that's God, right? If it was, it's this, easier to understand oneness and to grasp that concept, right? But. Would God be God if we could grasp him? Sure, yeah. And and and, and that's not the the full proof defense of it because yes. uh, because it has to be scriptural, right? That's our basis for it. But the idea that 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 God in his essence is somewhat hard for me to understand and challenging for me to get my mind around should also lend me to believe, ah, yeah, that makes sense that that's the case, because uh, he's God, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not. Now, do you think that oneness was created to simplify that question and to answer that question? Um, do you think there was good intent at the start of trying to simplify this mm-hmm. Trinitarian belief that then mm-hmm. devil took hard left? Yeah, I think... Um, Perhaps, but I think also it's just a poor, uh, a poor reading of scripture that has led okay. to it. So um, one in which um, tries to uh, grasp onto a very few scriptures, rip them out of their um, context and their purpose of what they're written for, and to make make a whole doctrine of God around those things without taking the broad. Uh, understanding of what scripture is and understanding, you know, um, the whole revelation of scripture to reveal who God is. So, so as a whole, do oneness take scriptures out of context to defend mm. their position? Yeah, for sure. I would definitely say so. And we'll look okay. at a couple of them here in a minute. But but for this part of where we're at, I want to just highlight this idea that this oneness view of God, this modalistic view of God is not new, but it's something that the church has rejected uh, as early as the third century and has continued to say it is beyond the bounds of what scripture has revealed, and it is a a heresy uh, of who God is. Over 50 times uh, 
Jesus and the Father are rendered distinct in the same verses. So, like, the verse will mention the Father and the Son and Jesus, and and this making a clear distinction between the two. Um, and so, the New Testament really clearly presents the Father and the Son as interacting with each other as two distinct persons. And so... Now, those 50 distinctions, is that just with the New Testament? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. The, I mean... I mean Genesis one one let uh, us yeah 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 you yeah know? yeah there's uh, and then of course you have uh, other instances of uh, Christophanies or appearances of of Christ in the Old Testament um, you know so so there there's Old Testament as well um, so oneness teachers are willing to sacrifice the clear context of Scripture to uh, to present this. Pre-committed theology of oneness um, and revolving around just a few handful of texts, um, and so it's only through the ignoring or evading of the normal rules of biblical hermeneutics that you can arrive at some of these ideas that the oneness has. So one of them is is this. So like John ten twenty nine is one they use a lot. Uh, the Jesus says, "I and the Father are one." So they say, "See." that they're one. And to that, we kindly say, yes, we we have one God. But he, in that very verse, is making a distinction between himself and the Father. I and the Father, were, it's two separate things. Just like I would say, I and my wife are one. But to say that we are the same person, the same person is not true. It's not accurate, right? But we are one in a very real and, um, you know, uh, both uh, legally and uh, we are one in, uh, you know, essence. And so this idea that they take this as the father and the son are that there's no distinction between the two of them is is an error. Uh, another example is Matthew 28, uh, where Jesus tells his disciples that all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name singular of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the oneness would would argue that since the the that that word there is singular name, it means that they're one. And again, just forget I, that we referenced like three distinct beings. Right. So again, I want to affirm <laughs> the oneness of God. God is one. Yeah. I, I think this verse actually shows the Trinity more than it does oneness because True. it shows both. It shows they are one, but they are three distinct persons. So this idea of that they um, are not in different uh, modes, but there are different persons entirely. It goes and, back to the wonderful illustration we use in kids' church. We use one egg mm-hmm. that is made up of a shell, a yolk, and white. Mm-hmm. Each individual part is individual of mm-hmm. itself, mm-hmm. but it is one egg. Sure, sure. And, and just like Amy and myself, my wife and I, we have one name, Lorito, that does not mean that we are the same person at all. And you and your wife have the same name, right? But you're not uh, the same person. And so uh, it shows the unity of who they are in that same name. That's why you have that name is to show the unity of them uh, together. But to deny their distinction in persons is clearly not biblical. So as a baseline, starting out, seeing the differences between these two um, uh, doctrines, we'd probably start out with getting saved mm, and mm-hmm. what it means um, uh, for a oneness to be mm-hmm. saved and how do they present the gospel mm-hmm. and what it takes to be saved. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really important um, distinction. Because we are uh, looking at different gods, essentially, right? between the Trinitarian view of God and the oneness view of God, it would it would be reasonable to see and show that their view of salvation and our view of salvation are also different. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, let me go back. Let me backtrack for a second. Uh-huh. So you would say that they are serving a different God? Yes. Fundamentally, they, fundamentally. Are, they are worshiping wow. a different God. 
Um, no different than Mormons, mm-mm. than yeah. Muslim, mm-hmm. than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So I would say, you know, within Christianity, they're a Christian cult. So they use the same terms, just like Mormons use Jesus, just like, uh, you know, some of these other Christian cults, uh, Christian science and some of these other ones. They use Christian terms. But they mean something totally different. They mean something totally different. With the uh, oneness, when they use the term Jesus, they are using the same name, but they're referring to a totally different being than the one that the Trinitarian, because his very essence is different uh, of who he is. The Jesus of the oneness has no relationship with the Father and the, and, um, the Spirit. Um, it's the same person, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and two, fundamentally, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but the oneness position of who God is makes God, before creation, a non-relational being. Before creation, the oneness God was totally alone, and in fact, needed to create in order to have relationship, in order to have any type of um, you know, interaction with anything outside of himself. That is a God that needs to create. It has to create out of a lack in itself. The oneness God pre-creation had lacks. He has deficit within himself because he doesn't have relationship. How can he love? How can this God um, have any type of uh, interaction or any type of relationship or any type of compassion or love or any other type of uh, personhood. It can't because it's totally and completely alone, right? Whereas we would say that uh, from a Trinitarian perspective, that God didn't need to create because there was any lack in himself, but that God has been an eternal loving relationship that before creation, the Father loving the Son through the Spirit, and that there was, he, God didn't have to create out of any lack or any need, but did so out of his love. And it's a fundamental difference about who God is that a lot of times I think people don't recognize how significant it is in real uh, terms. I like what you said there about God having a deficit, mm. and and God wouldn't be God if there was something wrong with Him. Sure. So that's that, that's a knowledge dump there, mm. but I think that was yeah. that was really good. Yeah. So to get back to this salvation aspect of uh, the difference between oneness and a Trinitarian biblical perspective, um, from a oneness perspective, um, there are three essential requirements for salvation. Okay. So in order to be saved from oneness doctrine, you have to follow these three requirements, okay? So, number one is a person must repent and be baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus. So, one is not saved unless they repent and are also baptized in the name of Jesus, okay? In the name of Jesus only. So, oneness would say, and they do say, that if you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit... And you wasn't really baptized. You weren't really baptized, you're not saved. Um, and that they also make this this a requirement for if you have been baptized previously in the name of the Father, Son, you have to get rebaptized. And so what they have done, very in a very real sense, they have tied salvation and baptism together that you're not saved unless you get baptized in the name of Jesus only. And I can't, I can't articulate how strongly I reject that notion, that we're not saved by baptism, that tying salvation to baptism is a tremendous heretical error, like that we are saved by faith alone, uh, by grace alone, through Christ alone, 
uh, for the glory of God alone. That we are not um, we're not saved by works, but we're saved um, by the grace of God. And so, so this, what scriptures would they use to defend that? Where, where do they come from saying that you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus? So yeah, they would use Acts two thirty eight as their main uh, proof text for that, where it says, "Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins." Um, and so this idea that um, they're taking that that one verse to say that um, in order to be saved, you have to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus only, and that is what is salvation. Which and who said that in that? Scripture there. Yeah. Who said that? Oh, Peter. That's what I thought, Peter. So it wasn't even Jesus. It mm. was just... Yeah, but Peter is... See, Peter here is is responding to those who are questioning what's happening at the day of Pentecost, and this is part of his sermon, and he's not giving some formula for salvation, but he's telling and encouraging these people of what they have just experienced. This is what's going on. Repent. Is, yes. And, and so, be baptized. yeah, repent and be baptized and, and you're going to be saved, you know? But he's not saying, um, if you don't be baptized, then you're not saved. That's not what he's saying, but he's telling them, encouraging them to repent and to also be baptized. And we would do the same thing. As somebody who gets, uh, who gets saved, we would encourage them to be baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, as an outward me- uh, example and a manifestation of what's going on in the inside. But we would not say that it's a requirement for salvation. Okay. And Peter's not making that point either, but he's just encouraging them, hey, you've heard what God, you've seen what God is doing. Uh, so so repent and, and be baptized and, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know? Um, but to make it this formulaic um, process that you're not saved unless you... Um, you know, are baptized in water, that is so not uh, a, a Christian biblical theme at all. I mean, the examples are numerous of people who are clearly saved, but we have no record of their baptism, right? Um, uh, you know, I mean, thief on the cross would be one really good example. You know, Jesus said, you're going to be with me today in paradise. There was no water dunking going on between him <laughs> while he's on the cross, right? Um, and so it, it there's a myriad what, of what different would examples. What say to that? Do you know what their rebuttal would be? Because that's probably one clear one that I've heard a lot. Mm. So they would have a defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they would say specifically to that. Okay. Um, I, I I would uh, I've had several. I've I've asked that and uh, not really got an adequate answer for that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I want to say that's not the only example of that um, for sure, um, where uh, people are recorded as getting saved, but there's no recording of their baptism. And so the point, the larger point being that this idea that salvation being tied to baptism is not a biblical theme at all. But from a oneness perspective, they view water baptism in Jesus' name as the act of regeneration, like literally the act of baptizing in Jesus' That brings your spirit to life. That brings your spirit to life. And it's such a... It's a false gospel. It's it's so it's so misguided, um, and it's and it's a heresy of the work of Christ. Basically, what they're saying is that what Christ did on the cross was not enough. That there needs to be more to that. That you have to be baptized additionally, and that is such a um, such a false uh, idea of what the work of Christ did. And it is, in my estimation, a um, the utter um, height of a slap in the face to what Christ did on the cross, and to say it wasn't enough that we need something. I more. need to help you. Yeah, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. So we have this first requirement yeah. of um, uh, repentance and baptism. What's yeah. the second? Yeah. So the second one wa- would be that a person must speak in tongues. So, uh, to make speaking in tongues, they they make speaking in tongues a requirement for salvation. Okay, is speaking in tongues and being filled with the Spirit, do they consider them the same thing? Yes. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So when yeah. you say that, you mean being filled with the Spirit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like being baptized but, in the Holy Ghost? Yeah, but specific, yeah, specifically with being the evidence being speaking in tongues. They would say you are being, oh, this is a good question. They are saying yeah. you're being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But is it the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. doing the work within them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be what they would... Uh, they would position that as as that, is that mode. Is that tongue? Oh, oh, I see what you're, I see what you're asking. Spirit, a heavenly <laughs> tongue, or is that a another I, tongue? I got you. I understand now what you're asking. Yeah. So, um, in my estimation, uh, man, this is a long question to answer uh, because it ha- we has to we have to understand what speaking in tongues is fundamentally. Uh, we need to do a podcast soon on what speaking do, in tongues is. Be- but short answer in three short, minutes. Short be- answer is. Um, Yes, they can speak in tongues and it not be from the Spirit at all, um, because speaking in tongues at its very core is simply prayer and praise to God in a different mode. And so, just like there's a real prayer and praise, there's false prayer and praise. Um, and so, I would argue that um, they can speak in tongues, but that doesn't mean that it's directed towards God. Um, and just like I can pray and praise to anything, anything or anybody, <laughs> right? And yeah. prayer and praise, as you said, is just another mode. Or speaking in tongues is another mode of prayer right. and praise. Yeah, and so, so there could be a a a, a bad tongue, mm-hmm. a yeah. demonic tongue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so again, if we're we're some people praying, probably ain't gonna like that. Yeah, but I mean that's so if we're praying, really and, if we're praying, if we're saying that we're fundamentally have two different gods then fundamentally we're praying and praising to two different gods. Mm-hmm. And just like any other, I mean, Mormons pray and praise, to, but that doesn't mean that it's of God, right? Uh, I'm using Mormons as an example because they're another Christian cult that people are aware of and would, oh yeah, I see Mormon is not right, right? I mean, I think a lot within orthodoxy would recognize more. People may take pause yeah, when, it, oneness. when I'm when I'm putting it in that light, but when you recognize and see that distinction, it's like, yeah, I, I, I see that if we have a fundamentally different God than who we're praying to and uh, what we're praising to is fundamentally different, and so uh, it would be a false worship. Um, so I got us off track, but yeah. getting back to yeah, it, so they believe uh, that you must speak in a tongue. Yes, in order to be saved. Requirement number two. Yeah, which also comes out of Acts 2.38. Um, again, it's 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 a poor uh, uh, exegesis pulling this out of te- context, but so Peter says, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So they've taken this verse and made it into a formula. For salvation. This plus this plus this equals salvation. Right. Um, And this formula requires speaking in tongues to be saved. And so um, before you're baptized... Um, you know, they're, they're going to want to make sure that you speak in tongues, um, baptized in water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you repent, then you must speak in tongues mm-hmm. and be baptized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the requirement for salvation. Number three, uh, that a person must live a, a standard of holiness. So they believe that salvation is contingent on, um, living an outward standard of holiness. Okay. Now, that's oh. interesting. I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. For now, sure. that is something that I've never picked That's up. Now, now, when you mean outward standard of holiness, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that would be a good question to ask them. <laughs> what do you mean? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean uh-huh. by uh, living an outward standard of holiness? Because a- within <clears throat> um, many of the circles that me and you fellowship with, mm-hmm. there's many definitions of what holiness is and mm-hmm. what that looks like. Is sure. it the same within oneness? Uh Yes. Mm-hmm. But so they emphasize uh, a personal holiness, you know, and, and and that's that's a good thing, you know. We, we would also mm-hmm. affirm that. But however, to tie that the outward, uh, you know, appearance of holiness as a uh, requirement for salvation is to go beyond the bounds of Scripture. Um, and so, holiness is the fruit of salvation. Mm-hmm but it's not the cause of salvation. Now, with their definition of holiness, is this just related to a physical dress and look standpoint or a holy life? 
Both. Both? Okay. Mm-hmm. Both, yeah. And again, we would affirm living a holy life, and we would affirm, um, you know, uh, a holy uh, way of appearance, and we would affirm those things. But we would also say that they are not the cause of salvation, of salvation. right? But they are the fruit of a life of salvation. And so, uh, making holiness a condition of salvation makes salvation fundamentally works based absolutely and so again that's a re- we reject that because salvation is by grace alone mm-hmm. and um and that and so but that faith that is that is within us uh, uh that it will produce works it will produce work but we're not saved by those works. And so their uh, their whole premise of salvation really revolves around works because you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus, so that's a work that you're doing. Uh, you have to speak in tongues, uh, and so that's a required work of salvation. Um, and then this idea of living a standard line, uh, a standard of holiness as a, a condition of salvation uh, is a works-based salvation. And so, not only do they get Seems the that idea, they could very easily question their believers' salvation very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, they could say, "Well, you're not living a holy enough life, mm-hmm. so you you are not saved any longer." Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, or seems like there could be a lot of control there, uh, with, <laughs> yeah, within within sure. the leadership for sure. And so, this idea of making sure that we recognize that not only are the ideas of who God is radically different between a Orthodox uh, Trinitarian perspective, but also the work of salvation is radically different between uh, the Oneness and the Trinitarian. And I think that those two things. I mean, how more fundamental do you get than those two things? I mean, you can't, right? Those are the two most fundamental things. Who God is and how do you get saved? <laughs> and in those two areas, I would say we radically uh, are different in those things. And so because of that, uh, we must be aware of those differences. So, as we've discussed, you know, a lot of people want to um, think about this disagreement between oneness and Trinitarian as this, um, you know, minor issue that doesn't have uh, really big implications at all. Um, But what I'm trying to show us is that they have huge implications and they're not the same at all. Um, It's poison from the very beginning. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's been poisoned when we talk about the very beginning, we're talking centuries ago, Mm -hmm. right? And so, um, giving us this broad understanding, um, help us to recognize that um, while we want to be kind and uh, want to be, um, you know, we're not looking to be mean to anybody. Uh, We also want to firmly and um, unwaveringly say that there is a huge difference between Trinitarian and oneness, and fundamentally they're different gods and their means of salvation are fundamentally different. And not to be ashamed of that, or to, to as Trinitarian, to say, um, to act like, well, let's just see if we can, you know, work out our differences. We can't work out our differences if we have different gods and different modes of salvation. You can't, how do you work that out? Mm-hmm. Right? You can't. Um, there, there is no give in that at all. And so, because of that, um, I say to um, our Trinitarian people that are listening, um, don't be afraid to stand boldly on orthodoxy of the Trinity. It has been 
uh, tested for thousands of years, and it is a thoroughly biblical theme. And so we have no need to uh, back down on who God is and our means of salvation um, just because they may look similar to us and may act similar to us. I'm trying to uh, very clearly show us they're not like us at all. And just as we would say with other Christian cults, they're not like us. And that's not too, um, again, not personal or not too, but they need uh, evangelized just like other Christian cults do. Now, you made a comment earlier in the podcast about how you believe there could be people within a oneness church that mm. are saved. Mm-hmm. I would say that would be very, very hard because they're going to be so pushed by their leadership sure. to conform to this salvation formula. Yes. And that there may be an initial salvation that is true of them believing upon Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I guess when they take upon themselves the belief that they have to also be baptized and speak in tongues sure. and live this whole in life, do they then lose their salvation? Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I wouldn't want to say, what I want to say to that is this this idea of, Yes, it's possible for someone to be saved in those settings, Um, but just as with every other false gospel, because the core is wrong, um, there's not very many of them. If you're going to keep the truth, the truth will push you out of that. It will. It has to. Mm -hmm. It has to. Um, now the the situation with a lot of times is that you know somebody comes into that church uh, to a, a church of that setting uh, with no idea of anything, right? I mean, yes. And so it, it's you know they they go into a oneness church and they you know they hear this love message preached mm-hmm. of God sending His Son or. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. They, they, the mode of God <laughs> sending the mode of Jesus, right? I want to hear that preached, like how that worked out. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, we got transformers going on here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, even all the more for someone who comes in that knows nothing, mm-hmm. they're going to just accept whatever. Sure, sure. But this idea of this um, oh. recognizing that fundamentally what they're teaching is anti-Christian that. You can't you can't stay in that unbiblical, unchristian uh, setting and remain uh, in 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 the faith, right? Because you're you're you just can't to be uh, following the same God, right? And so, um, and as as hard as what you have said today is, honestly, someone coming into a oneness church and getting saved. Is like some of the stories we have heard before of people getting saved at heavy metal rock concerts. Mm, sure. A place where the presence of God was mostly void, <laughs> but in some way conviction fell mm-hmm. at that rock concert. Sure. Just like conviction fell at mm-hmm. a oneness service. Sure. Where they're worshiping a different God. Yeah. 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 That can be kind of mind blowing. Yeah. And this idea, you know, like I've used Mormons as an example a lot in this episode, but, you know, uh, somebody coming to faith in Christ and a Mormon, like, you can't stay there and be uh, continue in faith because there's such a distortion of who Jesus is and such a complete, um, you know, removal of the deity of who he is. Um, and so, yeah, um, while it's possible, I would say it's, it's rare. It's rare. And that's why they need to be evangelized. Just like uh, other um, Christian cults, Christian science, and other Christian cults need to be evangelized. And I think a lot of times within the American evangelicalism, there's this um, assumption that because they maybe look like us, or like Mm -hmm. that we don't have to worry about evangelizing them. But I would say we need evangelist to oneness to reach to oneness because just like we need people to evangelize to people who are of christian science and mormonism jehovah's witness all these other um you know christian cults uh, i would say to uh, us as trinitarians don't forget to pray and to evangelize to oneness and to recognize that need um 
Well, one thing I've kind of picked up from you throughout the years is you you say for every truth, there mm. is a fake. Mm. Yeah. The devil is not a creator. He mm. is a copier. Right. And um, uh, well, just what you said there, there's also generations upon generations of people who are oneness mm. in their families. Sure. And they truly feel that they are doing what is right. Just as just, just y- with every cult, Christian cult yeah. or false religion, and that Muslim. should bring conviction upon yeah. us to, to have our hearts break for them that mm-hmm. they are believing a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about who God is and how you get saved, and that's the same error that other Christian cults and like Islam they have an error about who God is and how you get saved. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not any different, but because it's so close to um, you know, orthodoxy and especially within Pentecostalism, because it's so close to Pentecostalism, uh, there is this um, you know, idea that, oh, we're not really that different. We're the same. Mm-hmm. There's no need to evangelize. There's, there's no need to. Um, and I will tell you, I will tell you that the oneness they recognize this distinction much more than a lot of the Trinitarians do. The, the oneness people... Well, they say, are very quick to point us out. Yes, and mm-hmm. from their perspective, we're not saved. Mm. They, they mm. would totally reject our salvation. Because they understand the distinction, they reject my salvation uh, so and your salvation. Why shouldn't more so we... Yeah, Do and that. not in a tit for tat like, "Hey, we're, we're retaliating." Not Absolutely. in a, not in but a. But to give grace in that area, of saying, "Well, they're very similar." Yes, it's very dangerous for them and for us. Yes, yes, for both, right? Because um, it's harmful for uh, our people to think mm-hmm. that there's no di- di- mm-hmm. distinction, and it's harmful because we're not evangelizing them for them, right? And so they they more clearly recognize this distinction, I think than a lot of Trinitarians as do as a whole. And so uh, I think it's, it would behoove us as Trinitarians to recognize how different we are. And you know, to answer this, this, this question, does oneness and Trinitarian have the same God? The answer is no, we don't. And we don't have the same means of salvation. And because of that, we must uh, really, uh, really evaluate our connections to them and our uh, our uh, outreach to them and all these different things um, as a means of recognizing the true seriousness of our differences. So as we prepare to close, um, do you have some practical ways of having good, engaging conversation with oneness? Mm-hmm. And what are some questions that we can ask and mm-hmm. how, how can we have the correct spirit when approaching them? So I think a, a, a first place to start uh, is what we've tried to do in this podcast is help us to have a, a mindset shift to understand that we're not the same. And so in our interactions with them, that we are um, approach it as an evangelist, as one who would want to share the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that we are, you know, cramming it down their throats. Or, no, it needs to be out of love. Yeah, but at this, this, uh, you know, as we're in a practical um, response should be one of caring for oneness um, people and caring for their soul. And just like you would with any other, um, you know, denomination that is a a false gospel that you would want to, uh, out of compassion, uh, build that relationship to uh, to speak the truth to them, but also to uh, to recognize that a practical thing is to uh, really uh, know and have a firm foundation of what you believe, because what I found is that the oneness are very good at explaining what they believe. They're wrong, but they're very good at it and because they pound it into their people. And so if you approach this, um, you know, how do I have a practical relationship with uh, a oneness? If you approach it from not, un, you know, not having rooted and grounded in your own faith, your own faith, um, you want to eat your life. You know, the main place that oneness go to recruit is Trinitarian Pentecostals. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, because 
uh, unfortunately, a lot of Trinitarians don't really have a good grasp on on this, on 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 who God is and His nature. And so, I would uh, I would encourage you to um, to do do your homework, you know, before you have the interaction, um, so that you can rightly divide the word um, and and do that in an, in an affirming way. And then, too, I, I, there's a couple of books that I think would be helpful. Um, one of them is from a former oneness. And it would help to understand the culture, and um, just like if you were wanting to uh, engage with a Mormon or something, to understand what they believe and their culture and and that type of thing. And so, it's by Gregory Boyd. Uh, it's called Oneness Pentecostals and the Trinity. Uh, it's a really good. It's a it's a pretty easy read. Uh, not not hard um, read at all. But it's a really good reference. And then another one. This is a little bit more technical, and this gets into um, the real uh, uh, showing biblically why oneness is wrong and why God is a Trinity. Uh, it's called Against Oneness Pentecostalism by Michael um, Burgess. And uh, it's uh, it's a really good thorough uh, examination of why the oneness doctrine is a heresy. And I know in this episode, uh, answering this question uh, gone more broad and not really dove into the the biblical aspects of it. But the point I wanted to make in answering this question is uh, about whether or not uh, oneness and Trinity have the same God. The big point I'm trying, I wanted to make is to show how they're different and how they're not the same fundamentally in their nature or in their means of salvation. Um, but that book would really be a good dive into showing from Scripture why that's the case and why um, why a Trinitarian perspective on God is um, biblically accurate. Well, I have one final question that um, uh, kind of goes back to something you mentioned earlier, and I just want to ask you as trinitarian believers mm-hmm. christians can we listen to oneness music <laughs> i know i know it's kind of an off the wall question but uh-huh. oneness music is very popular within the mm-hmm. trinitarian um a pentecostal movement mm-hmm. and you mentioned that um they we're they're we're using the same terms mm-hmm. but they mean different things mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. and to us can we attribute our meaning to the words that they are singing and worshiping mm-hmm. to and worshiping them as well? Or is that something that we should be very careful and shy away from? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I would be cautious. If if you're not well grounded in what you believe and understand, um, you know, biblically the Trinity, I would be very cautious. I would not give uh, some of that stuff to a new convert, you know? Um, but if you know um it here's the deal they their worship is uh very well done and very well produced and the world has very well done very well produced music it does, as well it does and because it's so similar in style to a lot of things um you know it 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 seems to be good but if you really get down to it um, a lot of the songs have doctrinal issues with them. Mm-hmm. Now, not all of them do, right? And so, I don't want to make a blanket statement that say every song that one us you should never listen to it because, um, because some of them may not have that theme in it at all and be fine. But we should be conscious right. and intentional, sure, of what just we're listening as to. <laughs> listening to any kind of modern day worship or anything mm-hmm. at all. Exactly, there's, there's lots of exactly Bethel Hill B- songs. Bethel, yeah, exactly. There's so many things that are wrong with with Bethel and what they in uh, their prosperity gospel and all the things. And That's so, why it's so important to have the Spirit within us guiding us and helping us to discern. Sure, sure, truth. and 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 so. Again, to that point, I want to just say, if you're only going to listen to music, this is a whole other podcast that we could talk about, but if you're only going to listen to music that is that the singers agree with everything that you say, everything that you believe, you're probably not going to listen to much, much music, right? Uh, but and then also the singers live a life uh, sure. that is comparable to what they're singing sure. is a yeah. whole nother Exactly. Topic. But at the same time, I want to say that uh, we need to be guarded and make sure that what we are consuming as worship is 
um, is is something that will cause us to worship God correctly and not to cause us to worship man or idols or false gospels or, I mean, because there's a lot of things like that in, within uh, Christian music that it, it's not bringing worship to God, but it's bringing worship to man. It's bringing worship to uh, the flesh. And so uh, that's a whole other podcast that we could talk about. But I would just say that I would be uh, on guard and aware of uh, oneness um, music as a, using it as a source of worship. Well, Dr. Tim, this has been a impactful and mm. powerful episode mm. of mm. the Questions of Faith podcast and one that's made me stop and realize the importance of praying for and ministering to and evangelizing mm. um, the oneness. Sure. And that we, we need to think of them differently. Yeah, and and not in a in a, in a derogatory sense, but in a out of love and one which uh, desires for uh, us to also embrace and hold to the truth of who God has revealed himself to be in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Questions of Faith podcast. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing and write a review on your preferred audio platform. That would really help us out. This show was produced by Brad Stevens, theme music by the band Liquify. Questions of Faith is a ministry of Faith Tabernacle Assembly of God located in Denton, Texas. The goal of this podcast is to equip the modern day Christian with answers to timeless questions. If you would like to submit a question that may be highlighted on the show, you may do so by emailing us. That email address is questions at ftdenton.com. You may also submit a question by messaging our Facebook page, Questions of Faith Podcast. And until next Monday, God bless.